welcome to another episode of Buckets and Breakdowns presented to you by the good folks of Ballers Life. You know, we got a good, one of the best, uh, a good friend of mine here, two-time champion. Man, let me go down the list. Two-time All-Star, you know, former Hornet, former Pacer. Damn, who else? Spur, Warriors, Warriors. uh, Warrior, man. You know, uh, and not only that, I don't want to define him by just a man on the court because he's doing uh, amazing things off the court. Uh, Mr. David West, appreciate you joining me on this show, man, talking buckets and breakdowns. Yes, sir, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. It means a lot to me. Um, you know, as you see, I'm wearing the New Orleans, you know, jersey from, from that, that time. And, uh, you know, we spent some time there, four years to be exact. But we're going to start from the beginning. Uh, man, coming from Carolina, man, where did your love from the game come from? And when did you first start realizing you can get buckets? Yeah, well, um, you know, I um, So I grew up in Jersey. And then... Okay. Um, you know, I had, you know, I got started with the game pretty early. Um, but you know, growing up North, man, it's more so just playing. Um, you know, you're in the park a lot, mm-hmm. um, playing outside, playing on concrete. Uh, and the only time we played in inside really was when we had like organized stuff like bitty basketball or whatever in mm-hmm. high school, you know, middle school or high school basketball. But then when you go down South, um, when I went down South, I was like 16. So it was like mm-hmm. my the end of my sophomore year, my junior and senior years I spent in uh, mm-hmm. in North Carolina. Uh, it was just a step up. You know, it's like, you know, everything's inside, so you got to go to different gyms because it's too hot to play outside. Um, right, right. You know, it's, it's, you know, the whole walk into the park thing don't really uh, don't really work in North Carolina because th- things are miles away. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> living in tough. New Jersey, everything's like a couple blocks, couple blocks, but mm-hmm. you get to the south and stuff is – five, six miles away. So you got to drive everywhere or get a ride everywhere. So that was a bit of an adjustment. But, um, you know, I always, when I played, man, I, I never really thought about scoring. I always thought about winning. And I would always uh, measure whether or not uh, me shooting the ball or trying to score the ball uh, was better for the team and gave the team a better chance to win than somebody else. So you know, I was never one of them guys that, like, mm-hmm. just – put it in my mind I was gonna score the ball it was like you know you if you want to win then you got to score you got to do what you have to do so Mm -hmm. that developed really started developing when I got to Carolina um you know had a good high school run down there and then took a year Mm -hmm. uh a prep school year at Hargrave Military yeah Um, what was that like man I was about to ask that was my next question yeah yeah well you know Hargrave Mm -hmm. um you know Hargrave's a place you gotta want to be you know you gotta you gotta want to be there because it's tough um, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the environment is, I wouldn't say it's pretty suffocating because, you know, it changes, you know, you change everything that you're kind of used to, you know, you don't get access to TV. You're not around your family. You mm-hmm. sleeping in a little dorm bunk bed with, uh, you know, glass on your windows, no locked doors, you know, really no privacy. Mm. Um, you know, when I was there, we had, you could have a radio, you can make phone calls on the weekend. Wow. Um, you know, we wore uniforms. Um, and, and, you know, we, and we, we got, we went through the military rigmarole of, mm-hmm. you know, on a consistent basis. Um, but, you know, that year helped me prepare for, for college. When I got to, when I got to college, I was ready to play, play day one because I was, you know, I was waking up if we were waking up at 555 every day at military school. We were, 
in school, like I said, we were, had to be on time or you mm -hmm. get penalized for being late. So it helped me develop a lot of the discipline that I needed um, to get to college. Um, mm -hmm. And once I get there, got there, you know, be ready to do what I had to do in terms of, you know, getting to work and being focused and, um, you know, handling my business. Yeah, no, I, I mean, when I got my opportunity to work in the NBA, started off interning with the Hornets and you was there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I really felt like, man. This is like being in the military. Everything is same time, same routine. Everybody's yeah. doing their same routine. And and I looked around and absorbed it all and, and, and seeing you and just not kind of knowing your background, being in military school, I could I could tell like, you know, you was like, straight on your stuff every right, day, right, you know right, what I mean? Right, like, and, right. and I think that's really important, you know, for a lot of athletes and upcoming pros that, you know, want get, to get, or some high school kids that want to go to college and that you have to have that aspect of discipline and sacrifice and, you know, in order to right. really succeed at the next level. Um, Absolutely. so I, I want to move on to Xavier, man. Um, what made you want to go to Xavier? How, how'd you get recruited there? And, you know, get to play for Skip Prosser and stuff like that. How'd that work? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Xavier was, a, I got, I was very fortunate, man. So, you know, I was getting recruited a little bit out of high school, um, but my grades were pretty bad, um, mm -hmm. you know, cause I just, I just didn't understand how, you know, that I had to be focused as a freshman focused as a sophomore. Um, you know, I was, I was just going through it up in Jersey. So I was, you know, after third period, man, I was out of school, man. I, so I wasn't doing a whole lot of work. So when I got to North Carolina, um, that was really like a second chance for me to, to try to get myself back together. But mm -hmm. um, those two years weren't enough. So I had to do another year, you know, basically another year of high school and prep school and military school. And that, mm -hmm. that really shaped, shaped me up, but I really wasn't getting recruited. Um, when I got to Hargrave, just about everybody, um, had scholarships, you know, there were a couple guys already committed. They were just, you know, at the school to get that, you know, whether the SAT score up or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was only me and maybe a couple other guys that were there with like open recruit recruitment. So, you know, every day, you know, every day we had a, a practice, there were some coaches there watching and mm -hmm. I started to get some recruiting from uh, uh, East Carolina and old dominion. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it was, it was all, um, I guess you would say like I was secondary, um, a mm -hmm. secondary option for a lot of folks, you know, when you're, when you're not a ranked recruit or anything like that, um, you know, coaches have to tell you, you know, they tell you, well, we're waiting on another guy. And if he doesn't, wow. commit, then, then we'll get you. So, um, I was, I was down on myself, you know, for a little bit. Um, but you know, I became, I started believing a little bit more as, uh, things went on at Hargrave and I started to put pressure on the guys that were in front of me like real pressure you know like I was getting more confident I was regimented about the game and uh I went to Charlie Weber uh playing with uh my AAU team and uh they used to have this tournament called the Charlie Weber tournament it was like in April I think I mean uh, October it was in the fall and it was a live period mm. um so you know we're in the gym yeah yeah, we're in the gym and we're playing. Um, I don't know who we're playing, but uh, about maybe halfway through my game, uh, I realized there's this little dude sitting. There's this little, little, little guy sitting, basically splitting the court that I'm playing on and watching the other court. And 
uh, the guy was, he was Jeff Battle, Coach Jeff Battle. He was assistant at Xavier at the time. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, I don't know who he's there watching. I'm just playing. And then um, after the game, you know, he came up and introduced himself to me. And he's like, yo, I'm assistant coach at Xavier. He's like, look, I'm not even authorized to do this, but, you know, we want you to come to Xavier. And I'm like, oh, wow. Um, and he was like, yeah, look, coach, coach Pross is going to reach out to you. It was his first time seeing me play. Um, and that really gave me a big boost of confidence. Like, right. I was like, like, that was the first time somebody had like, you know, didn't need, didn't need the explanation about A, right, B, we, C, D, or E. They would just want like, you. <laughs> yeah. And so like, maybe it might've been like a month later, they were like, he told me, he said, look, as soon as coach can get out on the road, He's going to come see you play. And um, we were in Fork Union. We went to play Fork Union in Fork Union, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and we won the game. Um, I had a pretty good game. I actually uh, outplayed a guy that had got drafted um, mm. that year. A, a big guy by the name of Bruno Sundahl. He got drafted mm. by the Knicks. He was like 7'2 or 7'3. Wow. And instead of going back overseas, he stayed in the U S because it was a lockout. It was 99 during the okay. lockout. So um, he stayed was went to a prep school called Fork union in Virginia. And we matched up coach Prosser happened to be at that game. Uh, you know, I, I outplayed the dude and they told me afterwards that he had got drafted to the NBA. So he was like, my confidence was like, Oh, whoa. <laughs> you had to kill man. Yeah, it's time to yeah. eat. So, and I didn't know before, but you know, the, the, you know, you, when you get those messages as an athlete, um, it just does something to you internally. So after that game, I'll never forget, I was sitting down and uh, Coach Prosser walked from, he was sitting on like the top bleacher. He walked right down the steps, walked across the court and introduced himself. And he said, I want you to come to Xavier. Like first time watching me, he said, I don't need to see anything else. He's like, man, I, I, I'm offering you a scholarship. I'd love for you to come to Xavier. And um, I was like, wow, I told my mom and dad, we know we hadn't we hadn't really heard of Xavier before, um, but we started looking into it, um, you know. And then at that time, I think once once I got that offer from them, you know, then everybody else tries to come in late. Yeah, and I just really wasn't I really wasn't feeling it. I had a a, a good visit to Marshall um, and actually committed to Marshall um, because mm. I was just afraid that I wasn't going to get anything beyond that. But my dad was like, "Yo." You know, you should, you should, you know, go Stay up to Xavier, you know, go to Xavier and see what that's about. And uh, so I listened to my dad. I took another visit to uh, to Xavier and got up there and loved it. I committed maybe a few days after, after the visit. Um, and then, you know, when I got there, it's just, it was just where I needed to be. Everything, right. you know, coach never promised me anything. He said, I'll promise you an opportunity. That's it. And, um, when I got there, he just, he laid it out. If you do this, this, and this, you'll be able to play. If you do this, this, and this, you'll be able to start. So mm -hmm. I was able to work myself into the starting lineup, you know, before the season and um, started every game I played in college, um, which is um, which is a lot for somebody who comes from, you know, I was like the 99th ranked player in the state of North Carolina going into wow. my senior year. So, um, you know, it's wow. quite, quite an accomplishment for me, you know, and, in the span of a couple of years to go from that to, you know, basically one of the top guys in college. Yeah, man. I mean, let's talk about that, man. I mean, you were a three-time Atlantic 10 first team player and then three-time Atlantic 10 player of the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
that's amazing, man. And we played there four years, which is, yeah. you know, uh, something that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I think you gave them a major return on their investment, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. What, what was what was some of the like fundamental things that you learned from Coach Prosser during that time? Uh, I know he, he coached a lot of good players yeah. uh, that ended up being teammates. You, Chris Paul, James Posey, may he rest in peace. Right. What were some of those things that he kind of taught to you that you were able to carry to the pros? Yeah, well, you know, um, first thing Coach told me was to be on time, um, respect everybody's time. Um, you know, he used to have this thing. He said, if you, if you can't be on time, be early. Um, and so I, I always, that always stuck with me. Um, you know, coach just was one of those guys, man. He gave me, he knew I was the kind of guy that, that wasn't getting those, those shots of confidence from sort of the outside world. Um, meaning, you know, folks, you know, everybody in your family is telling you how great you are or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, when you start proving yourself to other people who don't know you and they don't really have an obligation to speak well of you, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, they see, you know, that what you have and what you're doing um, sort of warrants the the applause. Um, you know, Coach was one of those people. So he would, he would con- you know, constantly be pouring into me. I mean, this was even, this was like up to the last week of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, he was always, you know, he would call me anything you need from me don't hesitate to to ask um he calling and say hey d man just calling to check on you i either saw the game or missed the game or heard you had a tough game or you know when i got ejected the first i remember the first time i got thrown out of an nba game mm. he was like the first message him and my mom were like the first messages i got on my uh <laughs> on my voicemail uh, you know because he just he always saw he always saw more in me i think sometimes than i and I really saw myself my sophomore year um, you know, before my sophomore year, he, he called me in his office and he's like, um, coach battle brought me in and coach battles. like, look, coach wants to talk to you. I'm like, am I in trouble? He's like, no, you ain't in trouble. You know, coach just got to have this conversation with you. So I'm like, coach B, tell me, tell me what's up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, man, co- coach is coach needs to know you can be, the, he wants to know if you want to be the guy. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's, he wants to know if you want to be the guy, man. That's what he's going to bring you in the office guy. and talk to you about. Yeah, be the guy. And I'm like, and I didn't know really what he was saying. And then, you know, I was just, I'm one of the people like, I'd rather you just explain to me, you know, don't, right. the guy, what does that mean? And so he's mm-hmm. like, look, he wants to know we can, when we start the game, you know, you're going to get the first three touches and you're going to give us something to start the game. And then, you know, we know we can depend on your, your product, your productivity, your consistency, night in, night out like be the guy. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then, you know, coach and I had a conversation and he's like, look, man, I, I want you to be the guy. I want you to be the guy that we can start the game with. We can go through, you know, play through the game. And then at the end of the game, we're looking, looking to you to get us, you know, make plays for us. And um, yeah, that was another big boost of confidence because no coach had ever, mm-hmm. you know, said anything like that to me. Um, and then, you know, it later happened in the NBA, but um you know, that was a, that was a, that was a turning point for me. That was like going into my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we had a game where we played Marquette at the end of my freshman year. I think it was the end of my freshman year or end of my sophomore year. And um, coach cream, Tom cream, who was a coach at Marquette at the time, he right. said, he made this comment in the paper about, you know, uh, you know David West is going to be in the NBA one day. And I remember I saved that quote because that was the first time somebody 
put that on me. You know, that right. wasn't like my my dad or my right. brother. Um, and I'm like, man, this I, we just finished playing against this dude. Why would he even say something like that? And I, you know, I wasn't quite understanding it. Right. But, um, you know, again, they were able to see sort of see what you know what I was going to be able, I guess, grow into or develop into. Um, but those different moments just sort of gave me the confidence to kind of keep going step by step. I never got caught up in, I uh, flirted with leaving after my junior year, um, decided to come back, um, you know, because I just felt like I was in college. I was getting better every single year um, and it was working out for me. Like I was one of those guys that, you know, again, when you're not really heavily recruited, you fall into a spot that's, uh, you know, just beyond belief in terms of what, what I was able to do. Um, you know, just maximize my time while I was there. And then eventually, you know, it was time to move on after four years, but, you know, I really got the most out of, out of myself and, um, you know, was able to have a, a pretty good career, Xavier, that I'm proud of. And, yes, sir. And then again, you know, it, it just worked out, man. It was just one of those places where things just worked out for me. Yeah, man. And that's one thing, like when I work with kids or any other guys uh, on their way, like everybody's path is different. You know what I mean? And, right. and then you just got to keep chipping away and put in the work. You can't, you know, go away from that. And then you got to perform. And right. so, Absolutely. you know, take care of your body. And it's, it's a lot that goes into yep. it. So all your hard work, the way you play, got you to be drafted 18th overall, mm -hmm. the New Orleans Hornets. Um, man, how is that for your dream to come true? and uh, get a chance to be in the pros and call yourself an NBA player, man. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, again, that was another shot in the arm. Um, you know, I'd done all this work in, in college, and then um, I was trying to figure out where I was going to go. And, you know, kind of, I remember talking to Coach Mata, um, talking to Coach Prosser, mm -hmm. um, and I remember what, what they both told me, um, which was basically like, just, just get the truth you know, to alleviate and eliminate all the mystery, just get the truth from the NBA teams. And so um, that was, that was really what, what the whole NBA thing was about. They were, you know, I went and interviewed a few agents and some guys were blowing smoke, you know, about where <laughs> I was going to get drafted. Right. You know, right. The guys who I eventually went, I went with Octagon and, and they were just completely honest. I said, tell me what the NBA teams are saying. It teams were saying, look, you're going to fall between, I think it was, uh, 12 and 18, 12 and 20. And, um, you know, so I didn't work out for, I think I worked out for Milwaukee who had the seventh pick mm -hmm. worked out for the bulls only when, um, uh, I think Jay Williams had a motorcycle accident. And so mm -hmm. they brought the bulls had to like change, you know, what they were thinking about in terms of the draft because of that. So I went in mm -hmm. for the bulls and then everybody else, um, you know, there were teams that, you know, um, didn't think I was good enough. Wasn't worth the, the workout, which was fine. Mm -hmm. um, it was just um, just added motivation. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I knew that there was some 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 disparities and stuff just in terms of what people had uh, people thought about me, because when I got to the when I got to the combine, I think I measured like six, eight and a half or something like that barefoot. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the uh, scouts like, man, we thought you were like six, five. And I'm like, man, six, five. Y'all ain't been watching the game. Like, y'all <laughs> even, you know, like, you know. And that, it was just it was just a different time, right? Social media wasn't available, and mm -hmm. you know I didn't have like the the media machine behind me, so there were a lot of there were a lot of questions, you know, about me that um, people didn't understand. And then I had like this unusually long wingspan for a guy my size, um, so you know I went through the draft process, and a few teams were like, "Well, if we don't, this guy's there." 
So oh, it's just like uh, <laughs> your college recruitment. Yeah, same thing. Right. Same pattern. So when I got to New Orleans, um, you know, Bob Bass, who's passed away, mm-hmm. uh, Bob was 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 the president and the general manager, basically. And uh, before the workout even started, Bob was like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen you play. Um, he's like, I drafted David Robinson and he drafted somebody else. He's just, you know, he had he had just had. You know, he was knocking out the draft picks. And he said, look, um, if you're at 18, this is before the workout, he said, uh, we're going to draft you. Mm. And that was the first time I had gone to any, and I had been to probably 10 or 12 workouts up to that point. But that was the first time, again, um, somebody was showing, like, this confidence and this belief in me. He's like, yep, I know the other teams are, are not too fond of me. He said, I don't know what they're looking at, but. You, you're going to be a New Orleans Hornet if you're if you if you're available on draft night. So mm-hmm. um, I don't even remember the workout. I just remember that when I left New Orleans, I remember saying to myself, "Well, I guess I'll be in New Orleans. Like mm-hmm. this is where I'm going to get drafted." I remember telling my mom, "Like you know, mom, I'm probably going to get drafted in New Orleans because they're the only people that have told me point blank if I'm there, they're going to draft me." So um, you know that was pretty yeah, much yeah. it. That That's that awesome. happened. And, you know, I got to the Hornets and, um, you know, that's where I started my career. Yeah, man. And so, you know, I followed a lot. Obviously, my dad had to, had a chance to coach you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, you know, your first year, whatever. I think uh, you were coming off the bench a little bit, first, second year. Then mm-hmm. there was a summer league, right? Chris Paul comes into the picture, I mm-hmm. believe. There's a summer league. And this is when I first really got to see you up close. And I'm there in the stands. I'm just, and I'm, I'm seeing you, you know, you're hitting these mid-range shots. You're getting it down low. You uh-huh. know, um, I saw that, okay, this dude is going to be a starter in the NBA. Like, th- he's going to, you know, and my pop saw it too early. Right. And right. he was really happy with the roster that, that you guys had because it's like you guys are under the radar and about to really make some noise. Right. Um, Talk about just some of the stuff that you worked on, you know, uh, going from those periods and maybe not playing as much or getting the minutes right. or the the points or rebounds to, I mean, you went from like three to six to 17 points and seven rebounds. And <laughs> right, 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 right. So that's a major production boom. Talk about right. that. Well, yeah, so, you know, my first year, um, I was on the oldest team in the league, man. So <laughs> I was like, and, you know, and then on top of that, we had, uh, Tim Floyd, who's a good coach, um, mm-hmm. but maybe not an NBA, mm-hmm. didn't fit the NBA models for a coach. So Tim was in a tough situation with these older, established veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I played up and down as a rookie, didn't play a whole lot of minutes, probably could have played more, but we had, I mean, we had a lot of bigs and again, guys who were just older than me and more experienced. So I understood that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was frustrating, but then my second year, uh, Coach Scott comes mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we were, I mean, the style of, we were transitioning to the West. So that was one thing that people don't realize. We were in the East my first year. Mm-hmm. And then that second year, we went into the Western Conference, which was, is a totally different style of play. Even though you play everybody every, you know, all year, you, you only play against the West when you're in the East twice. Right, right, um, right. But when you're in the, when you're in the Western Conference, you're playing against them teams three, four times. So you got to adjust. And, um, yeah, you know, we weren't, we, we had a roster built for the East. We didn't have a roster built for the West. Right. So right. Right. We had to, you know, that second year, I think, you know, basically it was like we had preseason 
gave that team about five to eight games in the regular season and then just had to blow it up because, you know, that team, old, we were older with the exception of maybe myself and Baron and mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Jamal BD, BD was yeah, there. Everybody, yeah. Everybody else old. was old though. Those are the other guys, you know, guys were older. So, mm-hmm. you know, the team had, we had to go through a rebuild. Um, but you know, I had actually, my second year, I had actually gotten into the starting lineup mm. and I got hurt. Uh, uh, I had a bone bruise. I had a bad fall against, um, against the Pistons. And missed like 55, 60 games or something. So that whole year that, was, yeah. yeah, that whole year was like a rehab, you know, sort of rebalancing year for me. And um when when coach, I remember talking to Alan Bristol, but then talking to coach after that, and he was like, Look, you just gotta get you gotta get some reps and you gotta get your feet under you. Um, but up to that point, and even you know, even when I got hurt against mm-hmm. uh uh that year I was being stubborn about my style of play mm. and um I had I in college I scored I don't know over 2,000 points but I'm willing to to, to, to guess like 1,800 of them were probably 12 feet and in mm. so I was not a perimeter player I could always kind of handle the ball and attack right. if I got it but I was not a jump shooter uh, perimeter guy, no, no, no pick and pops. It was always pick and roll, pick and lob when I was in college or whatever. Um, going into that summer, so I came back the end of my second year, maybe played 10 or 15 games in the season just to get my wheels under me and just, you know, get comfortable with being in, under the NBA stuff again. And Kenny Gaddison. Uh, yeah, get Right? Regat, right? Right before the end of that year, we we're in the gym and you know it's we're in New Orleans and it's like the last five prac last five games. So you know, last five games on a losing team, mm-hmm. nobody knows what's gonna happen. And Gat, we had this conversation, and Gat said to me, he said, David West, he said, son, you need to watch uh he asked me if I knew Carl Malone, and I'm like, Yeah, I know Carl Malone, but I was never really a big Carl Malone fan. And he goes to me, he says, No. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get one of these videos. And, you know, Gat got that deep Southern. Yeah. I'm going to get one of these video guys <laughs> to, uh, to to show you some Carl Malone. And I'm like, why you want me to watch Carl Malone? And he's like, look, Carl Malone scored. I, he said, Carl Malone scored 100,000 points in this league. He said 99,000 of them were from 15 feet. And I, and I was like, what? He was like. David, you gotta watch. You gotta watch Carl Malone. He's like, he's like the way you're playing. You're not gonna be as successful as you need to be if you don't change the way you play. So Gat mm. literally had one of the ball boy, one of the video guys, probably Irv, me. Irv Rollins. He, he put he put together. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Irv was there yet. I just okay. remember Gat on the exit exit interview. Gat had gotten me a stack of games CDs about this thick. And it was all Carl Malone. It was Carl Malone against the Bulls, both both finals. Um, it was Carl Malone. Uh, you know, the mid. Uh, he had a, a stretch of his career, one where he, you know, scored thirty or forty for two straight weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, he wanted. Gat was like, "Yo, you got to watch it." And I sat down. I said, "Okay, this guy wants me to watch Carl Malone." 
And I was completely blown away because all we used to see on the highlights of Carl Malone was what dunks. Mm-hmm. And the mailman, the, the mailman. You know, <laughs> we saw him crash in the lane, mm-hmm. but those were like two or four points per game. The majority of that other twenty-five he scored was was post up, face up, fall away jumpers, pick and pop jumpers, mm-hmm. fifteen to seventeen feet. So. And Gat was like, look, man, if you want to stay around in this league, if you want to carve out a niche for yourself, you got to develop this, 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 this jumper. So that summer, man, I was all jump shots. I started, you know, you know, challenging myself to make about uh, 15. We had to make 15. I remember 15 had to go 15, at least 15 for 20 Mm -hmm. from each elbow. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's just literally catching and shooting. Um, and eventually, by the end of that summer, um, you know, I was just literally doing mostly, you know, just reps to get this, to get this mm-hmm. get jump muscle memory, get that get muscle memory, get your yep. spots, get your timing, get your feet right. under you. Yeah. Like, right. and, 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 you know, it's so funny because like guys have certain spots on the floor, right? Hot right. zones, man. And so what I'm learning with Gat. And shout out to Gat because he he gave me some great advice my early uh, years working in the NBA. But uh, in the NBA, you have to have certain spots, right? right? Like right. that elbow, that 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 circle, right? Right? Like they used right. to give Paul Pierce the ball right there in that circle, Dirk Nowitzki right there, left, right. right block, whatever. But when you get to your spot, it's like your confidence is up there. So, yeah, right. and that's that's amazing. So you talked about Malone. Uh, and so when you and Chris were playing together, that's what I saw a lot. And and for right. us, if you remember during that time, we didn't really have a lot of national televised games. You know, we went Oklahoma City and New Orleans and different things like that. But I'm in the video room and I'm looking, I'm like, yo, y'all not seeing what's going on here? Like, right. like we got something, something is happening right now. And it right, got right. to a point, right, where uh, you became an all-star, right? Right. And I remember us going up against the Lakers back in those days, and they didn't want no problems. I mean, right, with Chris right. getting wherever he needed to go, you had Tyson Chandler there. He's rolling to right. the rim. And then you had that little space right there at the elbow, Peja. You had Mo, uh, right. Sue, Bob, rest in peace, ready. And you guys ran. Um, right. So I, I really want to uh, talk about some of your go-to stuff, your bu- your buckets, right? Right. Uh Left block or right block? Uh, left block for me. Yeah, left block. Okay. Yeah, left block me, yeah, yeah. I think everybody fights on that left block. I mean, right, some of the right. best left players block. in NBA history. Left block. Uh, right. y- y- to me, it looked like if you could, if you get in the post and you can muscle your man in, it's left shoulder jump hook all day. Right. 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 And then, and then you also had some counters. You, you had some up and unders and different things mm-hmm. like that. And then you also yeah. had this fadeaway, man, and this and this unbelievable touch. That's old school, like your Carl Malone's, your Chris right. Webber's, you know, my man C. Webb. Like you had that. So t- talk about some of those those go to moves and how some of those counters came to be. Yeah. So, you know, it was just a matter of um, figuring it out. Like uh, like I told you, man, my, the majority of my game was at the rim or near the basket. So mm-hmm. um, that third year uh, we were in Oklahoma. We were in Oklahoma City because of Katrina and uh, you know, we had just basically um, we had evolved. We had just worked on that middle pick and roll, middle pick and pop um, that had just become our go-to. You know, we, we knew that if we could get, get Chris, 
you know, an angle into the paint, he could make the right read either at the rim or, you know, for himself um, at the, you know, we'd throw the lob or he would find, you know, the shooters in the corner. And then I would be, I would be the guy, you know, behind him. Trailing in sometimes, so yeah. Yeah. So I had to, you know, it was just a matter of trying to be efficient. Um, you know, and like, Hey man, if you know, you're not going to be able to just bang and muscle everybody or, you know, even though that's, that was a part of my game, I, you know, it made it a lot easier when I could, you know, um, you know, take shots. And that was one thing that, you know, um, I had to develop, you know, uh, when you come into the NBA, uh, you know, I think you have to have a certain level in order to be a top notch score, you got to have a certain level of selfishness. Mm. And like I told you, I was never, I never had that selfishness. Like I always had to, I always had to rationalize taking shots and being assertive offensively. Like, does is this going to be the best for the team? Some guys, right? Like Kobe didn't just go on. Yeah, like, yeah. Man, I'm I'm going to shoot the ball. Right. right. And I, you know, again, some guys are built like that. Some guys are not. So I wasn't necessarily centered on being a scorer. And then even when I got to the league, I never envisioned myself being able to lead a team in scoring. And mm-hmm. so. um, you know, my that third year in Oklahoma, like I remember Coach Scott having to tell me, like, hey man, you, you gotta take shots. And I'm like, even this one, he like, yeah. <laughs> and this one, yeah, like take we them shots. That. Like, take them. You know, and then he was actually, and you can ask him, man, he would have to like tell me, yo, you you probably gotta take 10 to 12 shots in this first quarter for us that I'm like, what? He yeah. like, you gotta do it, man. Like, you to gotta, right. And, and leaving it open, the spot. Right. He's like, you got to take it. So that that type of stuff, you know, I had to be sort of, um, you know, sort of coached into because, again, even though I scored a lot of points in college, it was a lot of system stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was that, you know, I'm getting the, the finishes at the rim at the end of the play, um, you know, that type of deal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't like, yo, go to work as soon as you get it. Um, mm-hmm. And that was something that it took me took me a couple years you know to figure out um but you know being able to mix it up when we got when we got coach uh coach Clemens mm-hmm. uh, he came and he had, you know long time assistant under Phil Jackson one championships yep. with the with the Bulls same you know, side coach, <laughs> coach Clemens told me he yep. told me one night he said you know you he said you know you play hard he said and you compete and you try to do what's right for the team I said yeah man I, what else am I supposed to do he said you got to win your matchup on the stat sheet. Mm. And I was like, what? Game within the game. And he was like, you got to win. He's like, I know you going against Dirk Whiskeys and all these other jokers. Hell yeah, you I'm going to talk about like, that. You got to show yourself. You got to show yourself on the stat sheet. And, you know, it was, it was, those were the types of things that I was learning as a young player um, that don't seem like a whole lot, but they are. But they're mm. they're like, you know, they're, they're game changers because unless somebody tells you that somebody puts that on your head, it's like, you just well, I'm, playing. I'm trying to win the game, right? You're just playing. But, you know, I had to be told and taught some of those stuff, some of that stuff. And um, that was the benefit of having that, that coaching crew we had, um, mm-hmm. you know, then we got press, you know, press was, 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 was making me. Paul Pressy, so, my guy. Yeah, he was trying to, you know, he's trying to, he's telling me, man, you got to take a little bit more pride in your defense and, Mm-hmm. You know, he's, you know, he was telling me, yo, stop deferring so much. Cause you know, again, um, I think it's a mindset and a lot of guys, I'm not necessarily a natural score. Right. Like, um, you know, again, I can do 
you know, for me, it was always rebounding, um, you know, mm-hmm. playing out of the high post, making passes. You can then, pass. I was about to say, I didn't want to disrespect <laughs> your passing ability right, because right, right. And even now the power forward spot is the hub of the offense, man. Right. And you right. eat them backdoor passes, double right. team passes, extra pass off the pick and pop to the corner, man. Like you had that too, but keep on. I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but you I want to put nah. some respect on your passing <laughs> game. <laughs> but like that was the, but that was, I mean, that's a part of, you know, part of who you are. And then, you know, other people are saying, no, you got to do more, you know? And, um, you know, that was really what I had to be pushed into, um, mm-hmm. was to be a little bit more selfish, figure out how to compete, um, on the stat sheet, um, and, and, and win some of these matchups. And then, you know, you have, you learn, you, you, you take your lumps. I think it took us, I didn't beat Dallas. We didn't beat the Mavericks. Yeah. Until I think cool. my fourth season in the NBA. Wow. Either fourth or fifth. One, I mean, because, yeah, we we just, we you know, we were fourth fighting year. to get close. Fourth. I fourth believe year. it was we the fourth. Were, we were fighting to get close, um, and, you know, uh, but they were just juggernaut. Same thing with the Spurs. Yeah. Um, it was this close. Yeah. This and close. Would, and we would measure ourselves against those, 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 those teams, um, but more so the players that they had, um, you know, the veterans that they had in those groups. Um, and then their style, right, their style of basketball. And we, we consider ourselves a young group. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the year we went back to New Orleans, it was like, okay, we've been through the fire now. We should, let's, let's crank it up and see what, you know, what we can do. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, knowing, where, knowing how to be successful is, is really the, the, the toughest part of, of, of figuring out who you are as a player. Like, guys have all these different ideas about, what they want to be and what they think they are. Um, mm. But that's totally at all different. levels. Yeah. But that's totally different from sometimes what you can do to be successful. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can be whoever you want to be. But so for instance, I always use like Kurt Thomas yeah. who led the nation in scoring when he was in at TCU. Um, but I don't think Kurt ever came into the league with the idea of being the top scorer, you know, on his team. He, he developed an identity as a tough defender, rebounder, he knocked down mid range jump shots. Um, you know, there are many, there, there, are, there are plenty of guys who go through that, but um, the players who figure out like, this is how I, if I had tried to continue to play the way that I was playing my first year and then my second year, when I got hurt, I wouldn't have had a 15 year career. Mm. I had, I not accepted, you know, the coaching, um, that I was getting from Gat and, and Coach Scott and others and sort of adjusted, you know, and, yeah. and changed the nature of my game, um, then I probably don't have the career that I had. But because I was willing to say, okay, this is the best, this is the way you need to play to be successful. It may not be the way you're comfortable with playing right now. may not be, uh, it may not even, you know, pull out all of the things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the best way for you to, to be successful. So, you know, you got to be humble enough and, and, and smart enough to make that choice. Yeah, man, that makes a lot of sense. And 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 I wanted to I didn't want to cut you off because I was going to ask you about this. The power forward era, man, I think it's reemerging. Uh, but but during that Bruh. time, <laughs> you're going against Tim Duncan, Bruh. Dirk Nowitzki, Amari Bruh. Stoudemire, Elton Brand. Elden Brand, I mean, and, and Sharif, Sharif. Abdul Rahim, she, yeah. Chris Webber, she, Webb, Zach uh, Randolph, KG, Zach, man, like KG, Lamarcus, you had to be a dog, <laughs> like you know, at this every point, night, 
it might be the point guard era right now, right? But right, that, that right. power forward era, man, I would just remember like every night, like, yo, D West, you was fighting for respect to be right. real. Like, and, and I think you earned that the hard way, right? right? Like, right. Right. you know, yeah, I, you know, I, you know, I, uh, again, it started, you know, it started, you know, pretty early just in terms of knowing what, uh, knowing what was out there. And it just seemed that, um, you know, for whatever reason, there was a high caliber power forward on just about every team in the league. <laughs> and, uh, there was no nights off, you know, you literally didn't have a, a, a night off against anybody. And then once LaMarcus came in the league, Blake came in the league, uh, I mean, you really had, you know, uh, you know, Bosch was in Toronto at the time. So you really had just tough players at that position every night. And, I, you know, my thing was um, you know, I just got to measure myself against everybody. You know, I got to figure out a way, um, you know, to have success against KG. I got to figure out a way to have success against Tim. I got to figure out a way to have success against Dirk, figure out a way to have success against all of them. Right. Um, regardless of who it was, um, you know, and, you know, it took my lumps and, you know, bumps and bruises. I, I remember some, you know, the bat, you know, running into Detroit uh, when they were just a machine. And, you know, mm -hmm. it was it was really the Pistons that I felt like you know, Gat said this one time. He said, David, if you can score against the Pistons, you'll be able to score against anybody. Mm -hmm. So I would I would really try to gear up um, and really I, I really try to just figure out a way to be successful against the Pistons, particularly when they had Ben and Rashid. Right. Um, you know, Ooh, that's tough. Core. yeah, it was, it was. Tayshawn, who yeah, could switch off and crew. play the four too. He was tough crew. Tough yeah, crew. man. So I want to move on to, you know, uh, going to Indiana, you join the Pacers. Uh, it's a whole new chapter. You're on the East coast. Uh, you get to play with Roy Hibbert, mm -hmm. a young Paul George, Granger, my man Darren Collison again. Right. Talk about that era and that time uh, of playing in Indy. Nah, I mean, Indy was great. You know, it was it was time for me to uh, time for me to move on from New Orleans. Um, I had you know I had an ACL injury and right. the lockout that same year, and uh, I knew Chris. You know, even though you know they were sending the trade to L.A., you know, just talking with him privately, I knew he was done. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there were a couple. You know, um, you know, Coach Scott. Mm -hmm. You know, lost his job, and then we uh, traded Tyson um, twice. Right, right, right. Um, you know, <laughs> had, an going to that. had an opportunity to bring in a really high caliber um, uh, two guard that would have helped us. I thought, mm -hmm. um, um, and um, a lot of people don't realize, but it was Rip Hamilton. We almost we oh. had a chance to we had a chance to land Rip. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We could have got Rip at the time. We got Rip, bro. We there wow. was we and and. And we, I think we signed Luther Head instead. Okay. Um, and that was it. That was it for Chris. Mm. Uh, he had, you know, he had really um, just been bottomed out. So I knew once the lockout hit, I was like, yeah, you know, it's just time to move on. Cause we had, we had been there. Um, mm -hmm. We had tried to get that organization going in the right direction. And then when Monty and, and Dell Demps came in, you know, they sort of introduced us to like the modern era of the NBA where you, communicate with the players and you make sure that the players, the coaches, the general managers are all on the same page. And that was probably the biggest issue that we had. Like mm -hmm. coach Scott had a relationship with us and had an identity of the way he wanted us to play. 
Mm-hmm. But then the organization had this completely different idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you it know, the NBA just can't, yeah, NBA just can't work that way. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, the success that the Spurs have had, um, the consistency that they have, even a team, you know, even an organization like Utah, Dallas, mm-hmm. um, you know, those, the, the relationship between, between everybody, all the moving parts, they're always locking step in the right direction. So right. um, that's what we, 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 we couldn't figure out in New Orleans. And so uh, when I went to Indy, that was what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, you know, everybody was on the same page. Um, you know, we had a good young team. Um, you know, I was going in there as I think this was my eighth, eighth or ninth season, my ninth season. So, you know, I was a vet. I had been through the, the you know, been through the, the ringer mm-hmm. had been through losing seasons, had gone, had been able to take a, you know, losing season, turn them into winning seasons, and then ultimately playoff appearances. And um, that's what they needed. You know, these guys, when I got to Indy, man, they had just, I think they had lost the year before to the Bulls uh, as the eight seed. And, you know, you would have thought they were coming off a championship uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I got in there. It was just, their mindset was a little bit um, immature. Um, and, you know, I was, my challenge was to go in there and to grow that group up. You know, mm-hmm. and just to make, you know, our environment a more serious environment. Um, you know, the Pacers were trying to recover, um, you know, to get their fan base back. And they were on, they felt like they were on the verge of having a good team. Um, and, you know, I was able to go there and have an impact. A really good group of young guys, young coaching in Frank Vogel, who, um, you know, had a different approach, um, very positive, um, you know, but, you know, uh, accountability at, you know, at 10, um, and we were able to put together some, you know, really, really, really solid years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those were probably some of the most impactful years um, of my career, just in terms of having that, Thank you know, you. it's like when you know you're like helping guys and, you know, your presence is when you, when you know that you're needed, when you feel wanted, um, you know, you feel like, you know, you're the, you're the guy in the locker room where, um, you know, everybody can kind of come to you for different natural leaders. Yeah. It, 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 you know, that, that, those are the things that maybe on the outside people don't know, but those are the most rewarding, some of the most rewarding things you can, you can receive as a, as an athlete. And so um, I'm very proud of, you know, of our time there, what I was able to accomplish there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we ran into the heat. They knocked yeah. us out of the playoffs three straight years. Um, on some Buffalo Bills type stuff, but <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, it was good. It was, a, yeah. like I said, it was a good, it was a good experience, man. I love those guys, love the opportunity there, but you know, once we couldn't, once I realized, you know, it was, and I was getting older now, I was like 30, probably 35 at the end of that time. It was like, you know, yeah. you only got a few years left. Um, and playing into June every year, you know, it was tough. Um, mm-hmm. those are probably some of the most physically taxing years on my body. Um, so, you know, as, as, you know, we got into the fight with, with the heat and, um, you know, I'd gone through a change in terms of my body because I think in new Orleans, the heaviest I was, was maybe 238 to 240. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got to Indy, um, you know, coach Vogel is like, look, man, I want, he always told me, he said, I want you and Roy to be big, nasty and strong. And so, you know, we just, you know, we just hit the weight room. I put on, I mean, the heaviest I got, I mean, game seven uh, in um, in Miami, 
I was 273 when I got Damn, on Damn, you were 273? Yeah. I mean, you I, always been kind of swole, like. Right. But the most, but that, but that was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life, in my career. Um, most of, most of my time in Indy, I was, you know, we kept, I kept 250 on the, as yeah. the official weight, but I usually, I typically played every night at about 260, 263. Wow. That was my, that was my range. And then, um, you know, during the playoffs, you know how it is, man, you, you eating more specific and, you know, you're mm. getting rest. So I'm like, man, I can get bigger than that. So I had, I had really pushed the limits of where my body could, what my body could, could do. Mm -hmm. Um, and just carrying all that weight, you know, it's just, it's tough. Yeah. Um, so then I went through that because that was what we needed to do, what I needed to do to be successful in Indy. Right. It's always about adjustments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was what coach, you know, coach wanted to do. He wanted to be smash mouth. He wanted to be physical, wanted to be tough. You know, wanted to, you know, wanted to play a slower game because the NBA was moving so fast and he wanted to stay with two big, yeah, <laughs> which we did. Yep. Um, but we ended up turning out, you know, we turned out to be one of the best defensive teams um, in those couple of years. We had some of the best, you know, For defensive sure. rankings in the in the history of the game. So yeah. super proud of that crew. Yeah, because yeah, you had you had D DC, you know, yeah. I think George Hill was there, guys yep. that can really impact the ball Defend, early man. in the pick and roll. And then you have Roy behind you that can, you know, be there for help and blocking shots and right. He's a communicator. I, I, I spent time with Roy in L.A. Right. Um, and then Paul George right now, one of the best two-way guys. So, you know, even, you know, playing with a, a young Paul, seeing him emerge, man, uh, I know he gives you a lot of uh, props and praise. Right. Uh, you know, how was that to see a, a superstar emerge like that? No, nah, it was great, man, because, you know, when Paul, uh, Paul was down, um, you know, he had been told, right, he was never going to, make it in the league and all these other types of things from, 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 you know, former coaches and stuff. So his confidence wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, and I remember the first time uh, we played the heat uh, when LeBron and those guys had gotten there and they were dragging us at halftime and mm -hmm. coach comes in the locker room and he's, you know, he's, he's specifically talking to Paul and he's like, you know, he's got this, you know, he had this way of like cussing you out, but like building you up. Mm -hmm. So he's like telling Paul how good he is, but he's cussing at him about it. Like, you know, it's like, motherfucker, you're as good as, these, <laughs> you know, you're as good as anybody out here. Like, you know, believe it, you know, and that's, that's, that's Frank's strength. Like he really mm -hmm. made Paul believe he made Roy believe, mm -hmm. uh, made George Hill believe, you know, he made me believe, made Lance believe, made us believe that we, we deserve to be one of the better teams in the league and that we were one of the better teams in the league. Like he mm -hmm. was, he was hell bent on making us accept that, you know, mm -hmm. we, we ended up getting a third seed that one year and we knocked off the Knicks. And that was a series where nobody had picked us to win. And, you know, Frank made us believe it. Um, he just, he would not allow us not to believe that we were one of the best teams in the league. We started off one of those seasons with 16 or 17 and oh, something like that. So he was like, look, we can, we can, we can go a whole month without losing a game. You don't think we can't like, you know, he's one of those guys. So I love that he made he made Paul believe, you know, that, you know, he was good enough to be one of the best guys in the in the league. And, um, you know, Paul hasn't looked back since he's just, you know, mm -hmm. continued to evolve. Yeah. Um, you know, continued to, to just be a, a, a again, a dynamic player on both ends of the ball.
For sure, man. So I'm going to trans- transfer over to uh, your Spurs days, man. You get to play in uh, one of the places that's revered as one of the best cultures, uh, organizations in, in pro sports, really. Sports, right. Yeah, right. and uh, I got a chance to go down there and watch um, training camp for a week. And it's the little things, man, that I noticed that were just amazing. It was somebody waiting at the door like, hey, Thomas, oh, yeah, you're here. Uh, welcome. Gave <laughs> me a name right, tag. Right. And, you know, would you like some water or coffee? Or it's like, no, yeah. just I had my little notepad with me. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, we have a seat for you right here. And he, they let us watch the whole training camp. I was right. out of the league at the time, so I'm just always still trying to learn and pick up new things. And uh, I got to see Pop in action and how he held everybody accountable. Accountable, right. Yeah, and, and I thought that was amazing. There was other coaches uh, sitting there watching. I mean, WNBA, college, high school, right, didn't right. matter, overseas. And, and I, I felt the spirit of basketball was amazing in there. Just share a little bit of, about that uh, with the Spurs. Yeah, so, you know, my, my decision to go to San Antonio was um, it was pretty selfish when I've told people this, man, like, you know, I had made a lot of decisions in my career that, you know, I put a, a lot of folks in front of me. Um, you know, I had really admired the Spurs and, um, you know, I'm a basketball, you know, junk, like basketball is what I know. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a thinker in, in, in life, but, you know, in the game, you know, I've always used my mind to get advantages in, in the game of basketball. And, um, you know, the science of it um, has always intrigued me and, when I got an opportunity to go there um, at the end of my career, my, you know, I just made the choice. I'm going to go down. I was, all I was worried about was going, being in an environment that I could learn. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my best basketball days were behind me physically. Um, and so I knew that uh, at this point, I wanted to be in an environment where we had a chance to win a championship, had a chance to win games every single night, but also I would be able to learn um, is somebody who, you know, I, I love coaching the game of basketball. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best ways to reach young people. So I had, I had thought about it and I said, I had been in some pretty good basketball environments. Um, there was a lot of things that I learned throughout, you know, my time in new Orleans and, um, you know, the different coaches. I had three different coaches in new Orleans, mm-hmm. um, had one coach in Indy. Um, two different coaches in college. And I said, but, you know, I want to see what San Antonio is about. And um, going down there, it was like being in, you know, basketball university every, every year. Um, mm. or being like, it, like being in college, you know what I mean? Like the type of um, seeing how they organize workouts, organize um, before we before the season started, the, the organized pickup games, um, the training, um, you know, the mental stuff that goes into it, the focus on health, both mental and physical, um, the balance that exists just between the the front office, the players, the coaches, um, you know, the clarity because you can you know see everything as clear as day just in terms of, um, you know, what the outlay of the team looks like, and what, why certain decisions were made, you know, why the gym is organized the way it is. Um, all of that was, you know, again, was golden for me. Um, mm-hmm. Learning how to, you know, game plan, um, learning how to, you know, go to option B, um, 
learning how to be humble. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that accountability piece is huge. Um, you know, Pop gives guys a lot of leeway um, in the sense that, um, you know, he's going to, if you say you're hurt, you're hurt. Sit down, right? There's no middle ground. Okay, you're you hurt, sit down. You know, if you're not hurt, play. It's just right. that simple. Um, right. And uh, learning that, you know, learning how to organize sort of a gym, um, learning the consistency or the value of sort of um, getting that cons those consistent reps. So doing what you do consistently over and over and over and over again. Mm. Um, you know, they called it the daily vitamin. Yeah, so, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. So th those are, you know, that that was, you know, we had, again, a great year there. Um, I, you know, we were a championship caliber team. We didn't get quite where we wanted to get. Um, but, you know, it was a great year just from a perspective of, you know, my basketball knowledge went through the roof um, mm -hmm. and was able to, you know, really, um, I felt full, you know, when after that season, even though it ended, um, you know, prematurely, in my opinion, um, we lost to the we lost to the Thunder that year, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that year I was able to get so much basketball knowledge. I was taking notes every day. Wow! Um, I was bringing learning it from, back, right? Bringing yeah, it back to man. your youth yeah. kids that you, you coach and train back in Carolina, right? right? right. Sorry to and interrupt. Just, you know, I'm just becoming a better like becoming a better coach myself, like becoming a better communicator, um, you know, becoming a better basketball strategist, like, you know, learning, learning, you know, Etere Messina was there. Um, oh was yeah. A, Point four. A, yeah. Hall of Hall of Fame, international coach, um, you know, just was able to learn a bunch from him. Um, Chip England is there. And yeah. Jeff shooting Jane coach. One of the best right. in the business. Right. It was, it was a lot. There were a lot of, a lot of people there. Um, and was able to just learn, like really go to school for basketball. That's and, awesome. I still got just, my notepad from, from training camp. I still yeah, got some oh watching yeah. it. Oh yeah, bro. I got, I got a whole notebook. Yeah, I, I got a whole, yeah. Say like that. One of these. <laughs> a whole notebook of notes, man, about just the Spurs and the way that they did things. Um, I was fortunate enough to be there with Manu and Tony and Tim. That's amazing. Um, you know, just, just, you know, Hall of Fame guys, but just even better people and basketball savants, you know, like they just know the game at a level that, um, you know, that really is, it really is what gave them an advantage. And, um, you know, that year, like I said, that year really gave me uh, that, that, that education that I felt like I was missing, like that real technical, I'm like, damn, this is, you really do it like this? Like I watch, you know, I watch, I mean, you know, you just watch, watch how they do things and, and how they evolve. And, you know, I watch pop adjust, you know, and, and, and adjust on the fly and be willing to try different things and right. listening to the voices behind them. Um, you know, mm. saying I'm wrong, those types of things, um, you know, really, really helped me um, evolve as a, as a basketball mind. And then, you know, when I left there going to golden state, it was like, yeah, like, you know, it's even it, 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 you know, in terms of environment, it was it was close. Um, maybe not. I wouldn't say a step up because obviously Steve is not is not pop. And he's a lot not comes as, from there. It's, it's that stems from that right. pot, though. It stems from right. that. But a lot of it is pot. right. 
Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, I got a little funny moment, a uh, little story I'm going to share. So obviously we ran through cross paths. Uh, I was with the Lakers. You were with the Spurs. And I see your wife, Leslie, right? <laughs> and she's coming in and she's right. wearing a Kobe jersey. Right, and I, right, you know, right, we right. all go back. I'm like, Leslie, right. what you doing? He said, oh, no, right. David, no, what's up? <laughs> I'm, right. I'm rocking my Kobe jersey. Right. I thought right. that was so funny, right. man. And she right. was like, no shame. Right. and didn't care. In Life the family room, fan, all man. of that. It is what it is. Y'all can Life say what y'all want to say. Right. Shout out to Leslie. Uh, right. So, yeah, let's talk about the last. I don't want to keep you too long, man. The Spurs days, man, you were able to win two championships, man. So, like. Right. Talk about that. It's towards the end of your career, man. You right. closed the chapter. How was those runs, man? You coming off the bench now? Right. Yeah, Play I mean, it was, you know, it was all good, man. Like, you know, I, um, before, actually, before I went to this, when I, when I decided to opt out in Indy, I could have gone to a, maybe there were like three or four teams that were still off me a starting job. They were like, yo, you can come here and start. And I was like, yeah, but that ain't really one of what I do it, what I want to do at this time. After my years with my year with the Spurs, there was an I still had an opportunity to be a starter um, on a couple places. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah, because you know, they you know, there were a few teams that there are some teams that just weren't gonna go small ball, full small ball. So um, you know, I said, uh I, I thought about it, I said, they the it just ain't, you know, that ain't what you need to do. That is not you know, where you need to be. You need to go to try to win. You want to go where you can win. And, um, you know, I was, I was probably going to stay in San Antonio, uh, but then I got word that KD and he, KD hit me up. And, you know, KD and I were cool, but we weren't like, we had never crossed paths, but we were, you know, had seen right. each other. We knew each other. We were cool like that. And so he just sent me a text like, yo, yo, let's go rock out and win some championships, man. Like, mm. I was like, <laughs> alright alright and then I'm like yo you had you know you hadn't even made a decision yet he like nah but I'm probably I'm going and I just want to make sure you know that I'm gonna go cause I heard you know mm -hmm. obviously there's a chance you could come so you know once KD told me he was going um, I talked to Steve um, Steve knew Steve had a role you know a role that he wanted me to play um, within you know within what he was trying to do um and he, you know, his thing was, I don't think we're going to have a weak spot on our team. Um, I just need, yeah, he said, I just, he said, we just need to be, have that, you know, we need toughness and we need that consistency um, of how we play um, to get back on top because they were coming off losing to, uh, losing to the Cavs. So mm -hmm. uh, I went in there, you know, um, you know, free. I was, I enjoyed the hell out of my time in, in Golden State. Um, you know, we were, you know, at the top of the pecking order for those two seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, got Both everybody's the ball. Best, yeah. Yeah, man. Got everybody's best shot. Um, but you know, I was still again, I was I was happy with the way I was able to play, um, play there and, and, and contribute and um, you know, get and get again, get a lesson in basketball again, man. Like learning, you know, watching Clay and Steph um train every day. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't think people understand how hard and how much work and time those guys put into that into shooting the basketball. Um, and I was able to, you know, see it firsthand. Right. Um, and again, again, another opportunity to learn. I was there for a couple seasons. Um, you know, learned shooting routines, learned sort of the the uh, 
you know, the day-to-day grind that it takes to, to become an unconscious shooter. Um, mm. You know, I've, uh, you know, I've, I told those guys, I said, I'm going to turn, I'm, I'm going to produce the next one. I'm going to produce a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson hybrid type cat somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, that's what I like to do, man. I like to, it's the, all, everything that I've learned in the NBA, man, I literally try to, try to take it and dump it into young kids and hope that it sparks in one of their heads. And next thing you know, they're being the NBA. So yeah, um, I love it. I understand. I do the same thing, man. It's that light bulb moment that these kids can have through maybe one thing uh, that you say or show them that propels them for the rest of their uh, career. And and, and it's, it's a, it's a, a true passion and love to see that. I mean, doing this show on this platform, uh, is my hope to kind of, you know, we rap all the time and right, to right. get that to, to the masses. And so it helps the next one and inspire the next person to, to make their dreams come true with the game. Um, Absolutely. Last thing, I, I, what I kind of end the show with is uh, just a few questions, uh, okay. kind of fill in the blanks, man. Uh, best go-to move of all time and you being a post player, skyhook or fadeaway? Oh, uh, <laughs> I would, man, I would say the, uh, who's, fa- I mean, you talking about Jordan's fadeaway? Yeah. Because Kareem, the only one that shot the sky hook. Yeah, so, so that's what I'm saying. It's I, out of the Jordan fadeaway or the Kareem sky hook. What was the best? Like, what do you prefer as, like, that's the best go-to move of all time? Best bucket? Uh... Man, I, I would have to say the Jordan, the Jordan that turnaround fadeaway. Um, mm. But the shoulder fake first, right? So he always MJ always back, you know, two dribbles, um, left block, two dribbles, right? And sometimes he would he would fake baseline, turn middle. Other right. times he'd fake middle and shoot the turn, the, 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 the fall away on the baseline. Um, I would say that one because you know, that sky hook was such a unique shot. <laughs> Nobody's nobody only person shot it was Kareem. Right. Um, right. you know, you haven't seen any other big guys adopt it, but with Jordan's turnaround, um, you know, LeBron uses it, KD uses it, uh, you know, CP uses it. Mm-hmm. Um, all all these guards, all these guys, D Wade used it, all of these guys, Kobe, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. all of these guys use that. So okay, you know, I that's why I would say that one is probably better because. You know, you got to be seven one. Right. You got to have that kind of touch that Kareem had to shoot that that sky hook. And you don't literally nobody shot that shot but Kareem. Mm, I hear you. I hear you. There's no wrong answer on this. Yeah, one. Yeah, no yeah, wrong yeah. answer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fill in the blank. Who brought the best out of you as a player? And it could be an opponent. It could be a teammate. It could be a coach. Um, brought the best out of me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that depends. Um, as from a, from a, from a player standpoint, I think like, you know, I think coach Scott and, and Frank got me playing at my highest levels in the NBA, right? Mm. You know, um, they were able to really Mac, you know, pull that maximum point out of me. Like I got to my, feel like coach Scott got me to my breaking point. I Mm. feel like, coach Vogel got me to my breaking point. Like I can't do no more. This is it. Right. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, in those two uh, coaching scenarios in the NBA, those two guys able to pull the most out of me, but then um, as a, as a, in terms of a player, um, you know, I would say like, 
I just when I would go against guys like Dirk or KG or yeah. Tim, you know, my whole thing was, you know, I, I oh I never lied to myself, so I always knew, like, you not them, you know, like I, I and I think people people I think that turn people off sometimes because people be like, yo man, you you not a you don't believe in yourself. I'm like, no, it's not that I don't believe in myself. I don't lie to myself, so I don't. I, I would never get myself psyched out to the point where I thought that I was better than KG or better than Dirk or better than Tim Duncan. The, hmm, that's interesting. The, 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 the key is saying I can compete against them. Uh, so it's not, it's not that you bet. Cause what happens is you run into that. Like, it's like guys, I saw guys do it with Kobe. Like there were guys that really thought they were better than Kobe Bryant, but you could never, and then on you would say you're better than Kobe and never have a good game against Kobe, not one time in your career. Because you were never you're never honest with yourself. Ah. Now, if you if you had approached it and said, yo, I can go, I can compete, and my best may not be better than their best, but my best is good enough to put them on notice, force mm. them to respect me. Right? Facts. So that to me was what I would do. Like, and so those guys obviously brought the best out of me because I would say to myself, now I'm not on their level, but they're not finna just get out here and wash me. You know what I'm saying? Like facts. I, I can't I can't get after it like they can. And I didn't have the size that they had and some of those physical gifts, but I can play in a way that will force them to respect me and respect the team that I'm on. And that was my approach when going up against those guys. So it will probably be, you know, those like the three greatest, you know, three of the best power forwards ever played. And the there you go. Ever play. And that's who um, you going up against. It wasn't right. like you was going up just against some scrubs. Right. And right. you know what I mean? Right. Like you right. going up against the cream of the crop every day, man. Every so right. I, I I appreciate you, man. And we're going to, we're going to call it here. I know you had a long day, man. You, you working yeah, man. with kids, you know, you, you coaching back home impacting the kids and their lives yes, and their futures, man. I salute that, respect that. Yes, sir. Um, it always been utmost respect with you and appreciated you, friendship and, and, and your approach to what you do in the community and everything else that's going on with these social issues right now. You know, uh, I'm rocking with you. Got the support from me, man. And keep putting that stuff out on, on your platforms, man. Like it's people checking for what you thinking about up there because you know, right. what you digest, reading and different mm -hmm. things, you know, you a deep brother, man. So right, right. Keep, keep putting that stuff out there for us to understand what's going on out here. So I'm going to sign off right here. See your man, Coach Scott, buckets and breakdowns. I'm here with David West and we out. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>